and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Beginning at Colossians chapter 1 verse 24, we begin examining the six points of emphasis as far as our Christian service is concerned. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. I can't spiritually grow for you and you can't spiritually grow for me. It's individual situation. We ought to focus on individuals. We ought to have at least one person we pray for who is a believer and one person we pray for who's lost and we should make the focus of our love and prayers and service one lost person and one saved person at least because individuals are very important to God. And as God's children, individuals must be very important to us. Can you imagine the joy in heaven of the Carolinian preacher who close to 100 years ago gave the gospel invitation and a farm boy named Billy Graham came down the aisle to receive Christ? The power of one life. We must emphasize the individual. Fifth emphasis in this passage is exertion. I see it in verse 29, first part, please. For this purpose, that is presenting every man complete in Christ, for this purpose also I labor, striving, and I'll stop at the comma. You know, just like preaching has fallen on hard times in the evangelical church, working hard in Jesus Christ's service has fallen on hard times. Oh, I did that when I was younger. I'm really not interested in children. Work is my priority. I only worked in that ministry when my kids were at that stage of life. Exertion in Christian service has fallen on hard times. The Greek word here, which is translated labor, I labor, is one that says working to the point of physical exhaustion. Working to the point of physical exhaustion. I would say that cuts right across the grain of any thought that we might have that Christian service is if I feel like it, if I have extra time, it's cushy, and it's to be easy. Christian service is to be a labor, a working to the point of physical exhaustion. Doubt that? Let me give you some of the metaphors the New Testament gives to Christian service and Christian workers. Christian service is a race, a boxing match, a hand-to-hand combat. And Christian workers are compared to athletes, farmers, soldiers, under-rowers, and those who have been crucified. We are to exert in our service for Jesus Christ to the point of exhaustion. Now, if that were only truth that I could preach to you about this, it would be a little bit hard. But praise God, there's a second half to verse 29. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. To recap, so far we've seen five emphases. The church, preaching, Christ in you, the individual Christian, exertion. And now the sixth and the last emphasis in the passage is indwelling power. Thank God there's a 29B and not just a 29A. I'll read the whole verse. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. The sixth emphasis is that we have indwelling power if we're born again. Yes, we are to labor to the point of exhaustion, 
but we do so according to his power, which mightily works within us. Could it be that his power is not mightily working within us because we're not exerting? Two things I want to show you from the second part of verse 29. According to his power. The idea here is proportional to the reservoir out of which it's being ladled. If you are here today and you have $5 in your bank account, and bless you, you choose to tithe on those $5 and you put 50 cents into the plate, bless you. If Bill Gates and Melinda Gates wandered into this church and they put 50 cents on the plate, they would not be giving according to their wealth, material wealth. When it says in verse 29, according to his power, how much power does God have? Unlimited. How much power does God have? All the power there is to have. We can serve and exert to the point of exhaustion, tapping into the unlimited power of God, the power that raised the Son of God from the dead. According to, and it's his power. The power that spoke the creation, the universe into being by the word of his mouth. The power that will defeat all the rebels at the last coup d'etat against Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. He'll slay them with the sword of his tongue. That's the power that we can tap into. The power that has made you and me brand new people to what we used to be. That's the power. We can serve Christ willingly to the point of physical exhaustion with the power out of the reservoir of God's power activated to us by the Spirit of God who lives within us. Sometimes I do premarital counseling for two people who have never been married and they are lost. They are not Christians. And I will go through through six weeks of biblical teaching about marriage with them, and I will say every time, every time I meet with them, you do realize that what I'm sharing with you from God's word about marriage right now is a Lamborghini without an engine. There's nothing wrong with the principles or the truth of marriage I'm teaching you, but you have no engine in your Lamborghini to do any of it until the Jesus Christ becomes your Savior and the Spirit of God comes to live in you. So right now we're just looking at a Lamborghini without an engine. There are too many Christians who are Lamborghinis who have the engine of the Spirit of God who don't draw upon its power, his power. He is not an it, he is a he. My friend, Greg St. Kitts, used to work for Dell Computer Helpline. He had a lot of funny stories. People using the uh, disc tray out of their towers for coffee holders and the mouse a uh, lady said her mouse didn't work. It's full of fibers. He said, where's your mouse? Well, it's under my desk, and when I press it with my foot, I can't seem to get, get it to do anything. <laughs> Greg had a lot of ideas, a lot of stories, but in the context of what I'm teaching you right now, the, one of the common questions he got as a Dell support phone call guy was, my thing won't start. My computer won't fire up. His first question, is it plugged in? Is it plugged in? Are you plugged into the indwelling Holy Spirit? I didn't ask you if you have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But are you plugged into him? Are you walking 
controlled by him? Or are you grieving him? Or are you ignoring him? Six emphases. Six emphases that we should have as Christ's servants. You know, Taco Bell, I like to go to Taco Bell. I usually sit at Pastor Garber's booth. They put a brass plaque on the one in Matamoros where he used to always sit. I usually sit in his booth. And Taco Bell's introduced a new breakfast menu. You heard about that, right? How could you miss it? Taco Bell says all these things on their menu, but right now their emphasis is breakfast. We have all these options as Christ's servants, as Christ's children, redeemed children. We have all these options, but this passage says stress six. Stress six. Stress six. The church, preaching, Christ in you, the individual, Exertion and indwelling power. The church is emphasized when we get seriously committed to it. Preaching is emphasized when we receive it and don't grade it or criticize it. Christ in you is emphasized when we carry him well. At the last quarterly business meeting, someone pointed out that our brand new white church fans are unlettered. And the person who suggested we ought to get them lettered, and we will, said, and when they're lettered, whoever drives them better drive them accordingly. Obeying the speed limit, courteous to pedestrians, not tailgating. Because when you put the church's name on a van, (laughs) you're saying that everybody in the van loves Jesus and wants to honor Jesus, especially the driver. And so we will emphasize Christ in us by carrying him well not discrediting him in our business dealings or any other dealing. We will stress the individual as we ought by caring for one person. I challenge you to care for one lost person by praying for them and by trying to help them if you can have that access and by caring for one believer in our church. Phone them up this afternoon. You know, pastor challenged me to care for one believer in our church family, and I would like that to be you. Would that be all right with you? Could I watch your kids this week? We emphasize exertion in Christian work by stop being lazy. Some of us are running around here with five hats on, exhausted, and others of us come here on Sunday mornings for an hour and then just check out. We've got to stop being lazy. And how do we exert indwelling power? By walking in the Spirit. By asking the Spirit of God to give us wisdom in parenting and wisdom in schoolwork and wisdom in relationships and strength for the commute to the job site. And we don't do anything except we ask the Holy Spirit to empower us. These are the emphases of the text. May it be far more than an educational experience. Stand with me, please. Fairest Lord Jesus, crown him with many crowns. We would crown you by emphasizing this church in our commitment. We would crown you by emphasizing preaching, by receiving it and not criticizing it. We would crown you by recognizing that you, Lord Jesus, are in us.
by your spirit. We would crown you by loving and caring for individuals, one lost and one within the church family. We would crown you, Lord Jesus, by exerting and by giving our best efforts even to the point of exhaustion in serving you. We would crown you, Lord Jesus, by drawing your power which is available to us in the indwelling Holy Spirit. Lord, change the man in the pulpit and change the brothers and sisters in the pews. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, I'm very pleased this morning to have uh, Jan Sawyer with me in the radio studio. And Jan, I'm very grateful to know that the Lord used you and your late husband, Kenny, to start up the Care Kitchen, which Calvary Bible Church hosts. And I just had a couple of questions I'd like to ask you about this ministry. Uh, first of all, what is the Care Kitchen ministry? Well, the Care Kitchen ministry is a ministry that we feed the needy and also, you know, anybody who comes in off the street, the food is there. And um, we've also uh, contacted some of the homes like Elizabeth Estates and Teen Challenge. And it's to, you know, give them a nice warm breakfast. And sometimes there we have enough that we're able to let them take them and it's most likely their lunch. That's beautiful. So it's the love of Christ in a very practical way. Fantastic. When did the Care Kitchen start? Well, our first Saturday was on March the 3rd, 1997. 1997. So that's 18 years, over just over 18 years. Yeah, we're into our 19th year now. That's a lot of pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when is the Care Kitchen offered? At what time of the month? Um, every third Saturday. Uh, we start serving at 8 o'clock, and we try and close the doors at 9.30, but a lot of times we're not able to because the uh, people that come in, and we try not to turn anybody away. I'm sure. So the third Saturday of the month, and again, the starting time is? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, uh, where does the food come from? Well, the food comes from the actual workers. And then we have people that want to help Care Kitchen, but they can't give their time. So we have people outside that supply us with eggs, some supply us with um, whatever they can. You know, um, we have a group that can't come, so they they come and they set up sometimes for us, and then they come back when we're finished, and they. They clean up the auditorium for us, so we only have basically the kitchen to worry with. That's great. That's a team effort. Um, what are typical things that people might be served for breakfast? Oh, they have a great menu. We have pancakes and eggs. We have sausage, and we have grits, and we have um, corned beef mm. that we can serve with the grits. Uh-huh. So, and at once a year at Christmas time, when it's a special day, we had a baked ham 
Yuan, lovely. <laughs> and we serve the ham with the with the regular menu. We just add a little bit of ham. That sounds great. I'm getting hungry just talking with you. Oh, about and we this. have coffee and tea, and yes. we offer apple and orange juice. Oh, lovely. And a roll with the breakfast. Wow! <laughs> if you go away hungry, it's your own fault. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Generally speaking, who comes to the care kitchen? Who benefits from it? Um, we have some homes that come. Like um, particularly Elizabeth Estate, we have a big group from them that comes, and we have um, Danny and Ingrid Knowles of Knowles Busing Service. Yes, they go. Uh, Danny sends a bus up for them every that Saturday, and he brings them down, and they eat, and he gets them back to the home, you know. And then sometimes Teen Challenge turns up, and a lot of walk-ins. You know, they see the sign we have out in the front, and of course they come in and they get a good breakfast. Oh, that's great. So basically it's open to anyone who would appreciate a hot breakfast. Yes, and I've had some of my friends even say, that sounds so good, could I come? <laughs> I said, well, you have to dress the part. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure that the ministry has the hand of God on it all the years that it's been going. And as you think back, Jan, over those years, can you think of some examples of real answers to prayer? Yes, definitely. We have had, of course, Calvary Bible has their stove and fridge in there, but it can't handle all of it, you know. So we prayed about it and we put the word out, you know, not asking anybody in particular, but another stove turns up. Hmm. And also, I have a room that's allotted to me and all my supplies. And I now have my own deep freeze in there. Hmm. And I have my own Frigidaire in there. So the Lord has been very good to us. And they've all been donated. That's beautiful. He uh, owns the cattle on the Thousand Hills and... Often, as we ask, he provides beautifully beyond what we could ever imagine. Jan, um, why do concerned believers, I've heard as many as around 22 of you, why do concerned believers in Jesus offer this care kitchen? Well, a lot of times they can't serve him in any other particular way, Hmm. and they hear of this ministry and We've had people just come, you know, and offer their services. And that's how I like it, because I feel that those people are really into it and they want to do it. So they come and offer their services. So it's it's from the heart. Yes, definitely. It's an inner drive put there by the Lord. Exactly. And that's, of course, the kind of uh, drive that that persists and continues on. And and those people, I would say 99% of them are still with us. Amazing. You know, going on, like you said, in the 19 years that we've been going, those, I'd say 99% of them are still there with us because, like you say, it's an inner thing from the heart that the Lord puts there. Yes. That's a beautiful thing to see. Just in, in wrapping up our visit today, Jan, um, is there anything else that you would like to say to our uh, listeners this morning? Well, I, you know, I'm not one, as I explained to you before, I don't like to go out and 
beg people to come in. I like people, they know the ministry is there and we can always use extra hands, mm -hmm. you know. And I would like if anybody knows of it, you know, to pray about it and yes. see if the Lord leads them into the ministry. And that's the way we've got so many that have stayed with us. That's that's so true. I appreciate you emphasizing that. Well, it's been a delight to visit with you about the Care Kitchen Ministry this morning. And um, why don't we pray just before we say goodbye? Thank you. Our mighty and loving Lord, we thank and praise you for the practical ways that you've given us opportunity to convey your love and your hope to people who have uh, need of a hot meal. We thank you for the years of people that have come and have eaten and been nourished, but also, Lord, have been encouraged that they're valuable and that they're precious to you and to us. And thank you for the fellowship and the conversations that have taken place over the care kitchen tables over all of these years. Lord, thank you for those who have come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through this very practical ministry. Thank you, Lord, for giving Jan the strength and the focus that it's required to head up these willing volunteers month by month. Lord, continue to supply out of your limitless resources in Christ for this care kitchen. And may you be honored and glorified in every meal that is served, every uh, Saturday that comes by. May you be honored and glorified, Lord. And may people find their place at the table of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in eternity in heaven because of putting their faith in this wonderful Lord Jesus who motivates such loving service. These things we pray in his wonderful and good name together. Amen. And now, help for the hurting. Morning, I'm College of the Bahamas student, and this is my story. Like most people, I wasn't into counseling. I wasn't into the stereotype that came with it or anyone seeing me going to therapy. There was also the fact that, like most Bahamian families, I was always told, whatever happens in your house should stay in your house. You shouldn't discuss your problems with strangers, but rather with those who live with you and love you. The problem with all of these factors was that they prolonged me from doing what I needed to do so desperately. So this leads to how I ended up at the Christian Counseling Center. Well, one semester, I hit rock bottom. I wasn't into anything. I wasn't eating well or sleeping well. I just wanted to do away with my life, so I contemplated suicide. While I was a total emotional roller coaster, one of my friends realized what was going on. She mentioned it to someone, and they in turn mentioned a few options to me. One was the counseling services at school, which would be free. There again, a problem arose. People who knew me would see me going for therapy. I couldn't allow that to happen. Another option was the Christian Counseling Center. I decided to consider it because it was the most affordable, but that was the other issue. I needed money. How was I going to do this with the family that I had? I decided I would borrow it from my sister who was away in school studying psychology. I thought, hmm, maybe she'd be more understanding since her major is psychology. So I asked her. She said, all right. I felt terrible about doing this. So somehow I managed to tell my mom. She wasn't into it, but if it was necessary, she would have helped. I made the appointment before I told her. When I made it, her attitude seemed to change. My first visit. 
I sat in the waiting area all nervous. I'm sure I was sweating. I was like, I hope she's nice, caring, compassionate, and understanding. Mm. Finally, I met Mrs. Arnett. We did the minor counselor client introduction. Then we started to talk. I surprised myself talking all my business. Perhaps, perhaps it's because I felt comfortable enough to trust her and the fact that whatever I said wouldn't come back to haunt me. Also, Mrs. Arnett respected me when I told her I didn't want to be preached at or scriptures thrown in my face. I still had my doubts. I was like, at the end of the se these sessions, I wouldn't feel better, so I put up a form of resistance. As time went on, I began to feel better. I began to be more open about things that bothered me, things that held me captive for years. I began to let go of a lot of past hurts, and I learned how to better deal with situations. I'm sure that comfy chair that I sat in during sessions helped me to talk all my business too. Personally, I believe I'm a better person because of the center. Even if I didn't get anything else out of it, I was able to learn how to let things go. And now, the Bible's answers to your questions. Please have a good question here submitted that I'd like to answer this morning. The question is, why do we have the Sabbath on Sunday instead of Saturday? Well, this is often a question that Jehovah's Witnesses raise, and we have no observance of the Sabbath because there is no New Testament example of believers observing one, and because there is no New Testament command to observe one either. What we have instead is the Lord's Day. This is on the first day of the week, and we have the Lord's Day on Sundays because, number one, Christ arose from the dead on the first day of the week. Number two, the early church met on the first day of the week for worship, fellowship, and communion. We see that in 1 Corinthians 16.2 and Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Number three, we are the church and we are not Israel. Romans chapter 9 makes a distinction between the two. Number four, we are under grace, not law. Romans 6.14 teaches that, among other places. And fifth and last, God is doing something new in Christ. And the Lord's Day is a new day with a new name. Hebrews 7 verse 12, Psalm 118 verses 22 through 24, and Revelation 1 verse 10. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.